1: Welcome to episode 519. It's a best of, a replay of an episode that I really like. It's from our first year of the podcast from 2011, and it's with Nikki Glazer. We are sponsored this week, as always, by betterhelp.com online counseling. Highly recommend it. It's really nice doing it from the comfort of your recliner or your kitchen or wherever you feel like you ever feel like doing it. Go to betterhelp.com slash mental if you're interested in checking it out, and then just fill out a questionnaire. And if they feel that they have a counselor who is a good match for you, they will pair you up with one, and you can experience a free week of counseling to see if it's your thing. And you need to be over 18. Otherwise, they'll direct you to teencounseling.com, and they are licensed in all 50 states. Here now, that episode with Nikki. I'm here with Nikki Glazer. And would you, do you prefer Glazer or Glassmaker? <laughs> I never
0: thought about it. But I, go glass I go old school. Glassmaker.
1: I go old school. Nikki and I met about uh, about a year ago. We were yeah. at the uh, Bridgetown Comedy Festival in Portland, and you were nice enough, sight unseen, to come do my podcast. Mm-hmm. And it was, uh, I think, a great experience for both of us. But I never aired it because um, you had. Uh, well, you, why, why didn't you, you not tell me? To. Yes, and you,
0: you, you didn't. Which is, I thank you so much. Oh, I felt so bad. What a would I have been if I had, course, if I had heard it. That's true, but um, I did feel, I felt conflicted about it because I we stumbled onto some stuff that I didn't know that I, I wasn't even aware was going on in my head, and so I felt I left feeling like I had said too much or that I might upset a family member, or someone who might hear it down mm-hmm. the road, and I, I thought about it for a couple of days, and then I, I emailed you and asked you, could you not? air it and um and i felt like you know what a waste like i wasted his time and but i felt like i got so much out of yeah, it i, did I really, too
1: i did too so i oh, I never God. feel like i've had mm-hmm. a couple other people ask me not to air their episodes okay. and and i i never feel like it's uh, a waste of time i feel i feel like it's uh am i ever disappointed that i can't air stuff sure but ultimately yeah. um they're they're nice fun conversations with people where we get to talk about stuff that we normally just bury. Yeah. And so I I, t- I totally get it but when I emailed you and you said you were willing to uh to try it again and kind of avoid the the stuff that you would rather not talk about right. for for the other person's sake not for your sake. Sure. Cuz you certainly uh opened up uh, in uh, about yourself yeah. in a way that I I I was really uh, oh, my, thank hat, you. my hat was off to you.
0: I tend to overshare and I'm just mm. I have to be more aware mm. of who that could impact because mm-hmm. i'm okay with it yeah i don't have any humility or when it comes to that so i'm pretty shameless but um yeah i have to worry about other people yeah to hurt feelings
1: i was on um uh mark maron's on on wtf mm-hmm. and he, he hasn't aired the episode yet and may never as far as i know but uh afterwards i said something that i was like oh fuck i want to take that back i said that that literally every male in my family tree is an alcoholic. And afterwards, the majority of them are, but literally, literally. everyone is not. And mm-hmm. I would say 95%. Are but afterwards I was like, oh no, what the fuck! And so I keep thinking, I keep kind of secretly hoping that he never airs that episode, right. or maybe I should e- email him. So I, I totally, I totally get that.
0: And people take the word literally; they use it so liberally now, so I that so misused. Could, yes, so you're, it's you're, literally to... overused. <laughs>
1: Um, (laughs) For those of you that have been living in a cave And don't know who Nikki is She uh, kind of came to national prominence On uh, Last Comic Standing a couple of years ago She's a touring headlining comedian, super funny, and she has a great podcast called "You Had to Be There," which she uh, co-hosts with uh, Sarah Schaefer, and they do it in Sarah's apartment in Brooklyn. Yes, correct. and uh, they have about a dozen people mm-hmm. uh, sit in, and they have a musician uh-huh. and they have a, a, a fellow comedian generally as a as a guest, and it is it's unique and it's entertaining and it's. It's just everything. I was telling Nikki when, when she came over before we started rolling. It's everything. I think the podcasting medium should take advantage of. There's a vulnerability mm-hmm. and a and a, a a sense of eavesdropping that I, my best po- my favorite podcasts yes. have that quality to them where I'm I feel like a fly on the wall. Me too. And especially because you and Sarah, um, uh, well maybe it's because it's the first um, podcast that I've listened to that has two female hosted by two females that uh, I grew up without sisters. So I especially kind of like listening in on Girl Talk. Yeah. And you guys get into stuff. um, No holds barred. I know. It's awesome. Thank you. It's just awesome.
0: It's really fun.
1: Yeah. So if you haven't checked out uh you had to be there. Highly recommended. Highly Thank recommended. You. Um what would be some episodes you would recommend the listener start with?
0: Um I that's a good question. I would uh I would recommend the Sean Patton episode for a recent one that deals with some stuff that uh, a couple good stories. Um, Kristen Shaw's yes. episode is also Super funny. a really good one. And
1: they're all, all the ones that I've listened to. I've listened to Kristen Schaal, uh-huh. uh, Paul F. Tompkins, Sean Patton. Oh, yeah. And uh, they, there is, if you enjoy this podcast, um, I think you will enjoy the, the, the flavor of, of their podcast as well. Cause it, I think it goes pretty deep and it's, it's that. entertaining at the same yeah. time. Yeah. Thank um, you. So you just came from taping uh, "Walking the Room." You're, uh-huh. you're the podcast whore for the I'm, day. I'm
0: I'm in LA yeah. for podcast season. Yeah. Is what I
1: keep calling it. <laughs> <That's fantastic. laughs> I'm taping
0: six this week. Are you really in three days? That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. It's fun.
1: Well, she just came from uh, doing "Walking the Room" with uh, with Greg Barrett and, and Dave Anthony, which is one of my favorite oh, uh, favorite it. podcasts. And um, you were saying before we started rolling that, uh, well.
0: Well, I got in there, I got in the, they tape in a closet and, um, I got in the closet and I just, we really got into it. We, uh, they kind of dissected my, uh, pattern in relationships and, uh-huh. um, Greg pretty much told me that I hate myself. And that um, he's like, Nikki Glaser doesn't like Nikki Glaser. And I was like, I think I, I mean, I do on Facebook. I, I, I definitely like my son, <laughs> but I no, I was like, I, th- I think I like myself. But then he was like, I don't think you do. And I really trust Greg um, because I read his book. He's just not that yeah. into you at a very impressionable age. And uh-huh. so I like looked to him for this, you know i i was like oh maybe i don't like myself and then we were getting into all my relationships and dave made some good point he, dave was just like you need to go to therapy there's no two ways about it and i was like i know and so i i left kind of like there were moments in that podcast where i was like i like i was just discovering things about myself that I was mm-hmm. like not okay I'm, I'm i'm kind of shell-shocked a little bit coming out of it but yeah. i'm glad i'm here to Further talk about it.
1: Yeah. Well, when when, when we had recorded last year, um, one of the things that you talked about, and and I assume because you're coming back on, you're comfortable talking. Yeah. About it now, which is food food issues. Oh yeah. Um, when did those start? You're from St. Louis. I'm
0: from St. Louis. Um, I went to school in Kansas i uh food issues started for me later than they do most girls uh it was like when i was 18 and i uh you know i always want i dealt with it in high school feeling like i was fat constantly which i was not but um always feeling like i wasn't skinny enough or perfect enough and then i went on a diet my scene uh, exactly 10 years ago i realized this morning when i was coming here knowing that i was gonna talk about this stuff it was it was probably this week 10 years ago that i first stopped eating and was like and then got positive reinforcement for it almost immediately like you it could showed up on me right away and i remember just girls at school being like you you look great and it was the first time i had ever heard that really i felt and um or like the popular girls had had pointed that out about me and so then i just stopped eating and
1: what's that like
0: really difficult at first euphoric because i'm getting yeah i mean it was there's a high from it for sure
1: a high when you're by yourself from not eating or a high just from the feedback from people
0: the feedback from people is the initial high because you're hungry and you don't know that there's no benefits yet but then people start acknowledging how skinny and great you look and then that's a huge high and then that fades once you start looking scary people stop telling you how great you look and they start showing concern but then you are chasing the high of feeling hungry because that is once associated, I think you once associated with the looking great or something. At,
1: at what point in denying yourself food do you get high from denying yourself food? Because I, I would imagine the first week mm-hmm. denying yourself food before anybody says anything is just plain shitty.
0: I, or were you getting high this already? This is what happened. I wasn't denying myself in the beginning. I just wasn't hungry because for the first time in my life that week, 10 years ago this week, a boy who I really like asked me to prom. And I had liked the, he was one of the popular boys. I'd always felt like I should be popular, but I never was acknowledged by them. And finally this boy asked me to prom and I was so nervous and excited about the whole thing that I just lost my appetite. And so, and then suddenly people were like, you look great, did you lose weight? And I was like, I guess I have, because I have, haven't have been hungry. And then that just kept going. So I it wasn't an initial like, oh, I'm going to lose weight. It just kind of fell off me at first. And then I was like, oh, this works. Right. So I'm just going to stop eating. And I was really ignorant about, like, no, I, I, I look back on it. And I'm like, I was just dumb. Like, I didn't know that you had to eat to like live. I mean, I knew that fundamentally, but I thought that I could just stop and um and so I did and yeah it was it was really it's definitely really hard there's like a lot of willpower that goes into it but it's um it's the worst but it, it I would say I would get high from where when would I feel the high I mean watching other people eat really oh my god it becomes I was I would watch the food network nonstop I had no interest in cooking or anything related to food prior to it
1: seems like torture to me
0: it was like porn like i would watch it and just imagine what it would be like to eat that knowing that i will never eat not that i won't eat it now but i will never eat that again i will never eat another gram of fat or anything in my life like that's what i had you know that was going to be my life and um and so yeah i would watch the food network nonstop, and my my mom was like you're getting into cooking. I would prepare meals, never eat them, or just prepare them and say, oh, I have to go and just have other. And then.
1: And would your brain be going back and forth between, I should really have a bite of this because it's got to taste so good?
0: No. It was when I make up my mind about something, it's, it's, I'm sticking to it. Yeah. Like I, that would have been, if I would have had one bite of a piece of cake, it would have been all over for, like, it. I would, that would not have happened. So it didn't it, happen.
1: So it sounds like there's a kind of. Um, moral, willful victory in it yes. that that gets you high. That oh yeah. I am strong. Mm-hmm. I can. I'm controlling this. Do you think it's about control?
0: Yeah. It has to be. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I've heard that from the beginning that it's all about control. I don't know mm. what that really means yeah. still to me. Why I need that control or where I'm feeling a lack of control. I don't know where that's coming from but mm-hmm. um I definitely got off from from knowing that mm-hmm. I I can do this yeah. and that my other friends can't and people are I I'm not weak like them when in fact I was very weak physically uh, and mentally.
1: Um what what kind of dynamics were were happening in your uh your life at that point that made you think you think that made you want to to experience that that sense of control was it was it you felt like you weren't as you were saying before you weren't popular enough Mm -hmm. was it um
0: i had missed out on the uh, there were a lot of things going on at the time i was graduating from college i was or high school i was getting ready to go to college by myself on my own so i'm sure there was some stress involved with that i had um I didn't really know what i wanted to do in life i i felt the pressure to need to know because i thought i wanted to be an actress but i never got any of the leads and i felt like i had missed out on this one The the, the diary of anne frank i thought i had the the role that i the lead role and i'd done theater all through high school and never gotten the leads always gotten the sidekick or whatever and i thought i had it and then i didn't get it and i felt like i didn't get it because i was too heavy mm-hmm. and that was always a thing in the back of my head so there was maybe some
1: Heavy people don't look good hiding.
0: <laughs> you are not going to get the it's role. Not believable. Of Anne Anne. Oh, they'd
1: find her right <laughs> away.
0: <laughs> I don't blame Mister Zoth for not casting me as Anne Frank. I am blonde, and I was it's so funny. I know sud- your.
1: I know your podcast so well. I know him. I know your. <laughs> I know your 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 theater teacher because he's come up uh, yes, before.
0: has. Yes. he's a big player in all of this. And, and uh, funny enough, he was the first person to say, "I am worried about you." So I, I, I don't know what was going on, why I need control. My friend, uh, I had a friend, uh, commit suicide in November, the November before. So, you know, six months before, and he accused my best friend of, he, he said he killed himself because my best friend didn't love him. And so I was dealing with
1: oh my her. God. Yeah. How did she feel?
0: I mean, it ruined her. She was my best friend since fourth grade and I, she's better now, but. I lost, I lost two friends in that because he he killed himself. But before he did it, he left a note at her place, pretty much blaming her for he can't go on because she doesn't love him back. And they were friends, and um, and then he or shot some... himself and left a CD with this sad song on it. That's kind of just like "I'll Never Have You" kind of song, and just you, stuck you, her with it. You, he
1: wrote the song.
0: No, it was a Ben Harper song. That, yeah. Uh, yeah. So we, I, I was with her when we found out, and. We had just the weekend before we had she had gone to a dance with him and i went with them with my date and we all hung out that whole night and he confessed his love to her when i was in the car with them and he was driving us to our place and it was very awkward and she was like david i just i i love you as a friend and he was like i just can't I, that's not enough for me and we were just like oh david's crazy and and I remember being like, oh, what's he going to do on Monday? He's going to leave some note in your locker. He's done it in the past. And then he didn't show up at school on Monday. And she was like, he left some weird note this morning. And I was like, oh, that's so weird. She's like, he's not here today. And then that day we found out he killed himself the night before. He would left a note, went home, and shot himself. And so that that totally – and I dealt, I dealt with that in a way. I didn't know how to of, deal with that. That is
1: one of the meanest things the I've thing. ever heard – I can't imagine a meaner thing to do to somebody mm-hmm. than to kill yourself and blame it on somebody it else. Was, that is so sick. I have so forgiven many levels him for
0: it. And it was hard because I was so angry with him that he just my friend was so full of life and just one of the best people you've anyone's ever known and it destroyed her. It, it she had it, she was put through so much because of it and and we our friendship totally went to shit because I was angry with him and everyone was mad at me for being mad at him. It was what? all poor David. What? And e- even her parents like everyone was ups- my whole family was on my side about it like oh my I can't believe David did this to Kirsten and and everyone else in in, in my life all of my friends and our mutual friends were like Nikki you know how could you be mad at david i'm like how could i not be mad it was it was really a, a weird time and so then so people were actually mad at her not mad at her they no 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 one was mad at her but they weren't mad at him no I one see. was like po-. nobody
1: could see the sick selfishness no. of that decision and i
0: was the only one that was furious with him like not even to the point where i wasn't sad about it anymore where i was like fuck david like and yeah. I, now i can look back and be like oh he was a he was my friend. I mean, he, he obviously was going through a lot and didn't know any better, but i I mean, I'm still angry at him about it, but I was, I felt alone in that anger. And so I think, and then I also got no acknowledgement from my parents in dealing with my friend's death and my other friends kind of death. Yeah. Uh, Kirsten, my parents uh, never knew David, never knew that I was friends with him. It was kind of like a friendship that I didn't bring around. Like it was just at school and then on the weekends and, so when he died and I was really upset about it, my parents never really like let me more. They they were just like, we don't even know this guy. You don't know, it. like get over it. And so I think that that might've had some play in me kind of going.
1: Yeah. Who wouldn't feel overwhelmed by that?
0: Yeah. I, I just remember the night after it happened, my mom being like <laughs> saying something like, you need to get over it. Like the night after it happened. And I remember that and just going in my room and like holding a picture of him and crying and kind of feeling like, is this wrong to feel so sad about? Cause I,
1: Is that how your mom deals with stuff is kind of...
0: uh... Yeah, yeah, kind of. That's like my whole family's way of dealing with things. Like, we don't ever talk about my sickness. It's never mentioned.
1: We kind of just... By the way, that's so great that you can call it that. Yeah, oh, really? That's really healthy. That's really healthy. Oh, Thanks. You know, instead of my weakness or my, you know, because it, that's what it is. I feel like I caught something it's, it's a like sickness. a. It's sickness. It is centered in the brain. Yeah. It is absolutely centered in I the brain. I feel that way
0: about it. I definitely, cause it's definitely in my past. I mean, it flares up every now and again. It, it will never be what it once was ever. I'm certain of that, but it, it's definitely something that I look at like, oh, that happened to me. I didn't, I didn't create it. Because yeah. that was the struggle for me was that I was doing it to myself. I always – everyone thought I was doing it to myself. Why wouldn't they? Yeah. Just eat, Nikki, and you'll be cured. Yeah. So I always thought this is me doing – but so that is like – that was the hardest part of it, was feeling responsible for it yeah. and feeling such shame about it. But as soon as I was able to disassociate and, and went to therapy and learned that this is like – as soon as someone said this is a demon inside you and you're possessed by th- – this thing like you caught a sickness, you have the flu in your brain.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Once I was able to be like, oh, this isn't your, your fault, I was able to really get yeah. uh, that was the hurdle for me. Yeah.
1: The only the only responsibility, uh, in my opinion, that we have as as addicts or people who have any type of you know, addiction or whatever yeah. is how are you going to deal with it? Yes, You didn't give it to yourself, but you now, now that you have knowledge of it, you have, because I have no sympathy for people that are aware that they're addicts and then just don't do anything about it and play the self-pity card. And I have no control over it. No, you have control over whether or not you try to live effectively Yeah, with it. That's that's a responsibility that um, that I think a lot is lost on a lot of people. And then and then I think it gives addicts a a, um, as if addicts need more of a bad name, but it gives addicts a bad name because people then say, oh, well, all addicts are just full of self-pity and just lack will and just blame it you know, say it's a disease, it's, it's not a disease. Well, you know, if you've never lived with something that so dominates your brain, that so obsesses you, that literally the thought of it gets you high, you don't know. You don't know. And you don't know that feeling of despair that that high takes you out of, which is like the double, it's like the mountain is twice as high. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're depressed, that addiction is oh my God, it's like going from Death Valley to Mount Everest.
0: Yeah. Yeah, but I mean, I would, depression hit me after, I never struggled with depression prior to becoming anorexic because it sapped my brain. It was a a symptom of it. And, um, and, Do you feel like the
1: depression started when your friend killed himself?
0: No, the depression started when um, I was fine. I was really like I was dealing with it. And I think a lot of it was I was fine just because I I had to be because my parents expected me to be. I I was my friend was the one that was really the victim of his death. So all the focus was put on her. So I didn't I was really okay. I thought. And then um, depression hit when. When I was like, my brain pretty much started eating itself, you know, like I was just so hungry and my body was freaking out so much that I just fell into the worst depression of just, you know, I didn't have friends anymore. I couldn't hang out with my friends anymore because they were so worried and my family was completely in denial of it. I mean, I would just lay in bed all day.
1: Did the thought ever occur to you? I will never be skinny enough. Did it did that? Or was there, you, were you still kind of chasing the dragon? No, thinking, I was
0: skinny enough. But I was at a point where I was just, I will never eat. It. I can't eat again. I cannot.
1: And is it that you're not hungry or you... No, it, no. You're I was hungry. hungry. You're hungry. So it's that you don't want to lose that high of look at myself, Will.
0: Yes. I mean, it, it almost felt like if I have one piece of cake or one piece of food that i've forbidden myself then it will all go to shit and i will get fat instantly i see and that yeah everything you've worked for will crumble
1: and that that is one of the hallmarks of addiction is is a warped view of how the future is going to unfold that is absolutely um i mean if if i have learned anything in how to deal with addiction um it is stay in the present moment the past and the future occasionally can help you, you know, the the past can occasionally help you with insights, but uh, the future, you know, and then people are like, well, you know, I'm. how am I going to plan a career? How am I, uh, trust me, you're going to think about the future enough that that shit's going to get, uh, take care of itself. Yeah. But we, we obsess so much about the future and get all fucking stressed out about stuff that will never, ever mm-hmm. happen. I think somebody said one time, I've had thousands of, of uh, uh, horrible tragedy, tragedies in my life, um, none of which have ever happened. <laughs> and I'm so related yes. when I heard that because it's like... Because you live them. Oh, yes. I live them and live them in detail. Yeah. In absolute detail. And you being a creative person, um, I would imagine your fantasies of the doomy future... Are full of luscious details. Yes. Talk about what. Put yourself back in in, in that eighteen year old mindset. Let's say you would have that piece of cake. What What does your mind tell you? Give Give me details of what that future looks kill, like.
0: Just kill yourself if you do that. Like the, it's over. You're You're so weak. If you have that, you're like the nobody's. You're gonna, a piece of shit you're just yeah
1: and is that just how you would feel about yourself or do you think that you would be ostracized or you would you would stop getting dates or i mean what
0: i wasn't getting dates i mean i was so skeletal that
1: it was i couldn't leave how far down were were you
0: i lost it started in like mid-february and by i lost like 60 pounds in four months, I mean, and I know that sounds ridiculous. I went, I got, I think I got down to like ninety something pounds, and I'm a tall chick. And I, I never, they wouldn't tell me what I really got
1: down to yeah. because you're, you're not put, supposed to know numbers. You were putting up Holocaust numbers.
0: Oh, I looked, I looked. I mean, I can't go back and see pictures of myself again. It's too sad, and that I walked around like that, and that might. I mean, I. And were you
1: as tall as you are now? Yeah, uh, you're
0: five nine. And so, yeah, I was, it was just, I, I looked really, really bad. And so I was not getting dates. and I knew I looked bad. I mean, I would look in the mirror. I wasn't like, you are looking hot. Like I was ashamed of how I looked, but I didn't see any, like getting back to that, like a happy medium. It was either. So
1: what is the thought in your brain though, that know. I'm hungry? I look too skinny. It's, it's that I'm going to be fat if I start this. Yeah. It's, it's, it's literally, you believe that this is a damn yeah, and if you just let a drop through, it's going to be a waterfall that will yes. envelop I you. I still
0: have that uh, in my like. If I'm ever like dieting or watching what I'm eating, or like I did, uh, I I did the dumbest thing that I could have done, and I started a, a low carb diet over the summer because I was like, "Oh, you're going to be on TV for this thing possibly," and um, I said, "You know, when you do low carb, you got to cut out carbs completely." And having that 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 thing of like, you can't have any of that to to Eat them again was really hard for me, and yeah. I'm just now getting back to it. And this was in July that I cut them out completely. And I just that that thought of if I have one gram of sugar, it's all, all the weight's gonna come on, and I'm gonna be this fat. Like, and I'm not, it's it's it still plagues me, yeah. To this, I mean, I'm still susceptible to it completely, yeah. and I don't know what the fear is because I know rationally that I will not blow get obese if I have one. Piece of fruit or some or you know sugar or carb or whatever Um,
1: but it's not an intellect, you know uh, addiction is not an intellectual disease ex- You can be the smartest yep. person in the world, but it's it's a feeling a feeling inside of you That that doesn't make sense
0: shame. I mean, there's just so much shame involved it's Self-shame were you eating.
1: did you have a lack of control in other things in your life before? uh the food issue that, that kind of may, might have set a pattern for you losing control
0: not i don't i can't pinpoint anything that i really felt out of control about i mean i i never i i, I guess i never felt appreciated in socially <laughs> i mean like i it's so embarrassing to say that i wanted to be popular but i felt like i had something in me that wasn't being acknowledged by people in school. And I felt like maybe I wasn't, I just hadn't reached my potential and maybe never would. I wasn't pretty enough. I wasn't skinny enough. I wasn't funny enough. Um, So maybe that was it. I mean, I, rem- I can go back and remember and it pains me to think of this girl, but like when I felt there would be n- nights in high school when I would just, my friends would go out and I would feel so fat that I would just, cry and cry and cry in bed and they would come over and be like let's go out And i'd be like i'm too fat my jeans don't fit." and it just makes it breaks my heart to think about that person but i was i definitely hated myself yeah. up until that point like in the last couple of years i i was involved in sports until sophomore year and then i stopped that and i i you know i filled out a little bit and um, definitely was not comfortable in my own skin and receive flack about it from my parents and you know family members and i just
1: receive flack about what
0: about being overeating or just you know hey slow down there you know just start, just okay. knowing that i was not the body type that i, I got gotcha. should be for certain people i see. so yeah. so
1: this wasn't uh completely made up in your mind there was no
0: i mean my mom my mom to this day i and i know that the last podcast i spoke a little bit about her and that was maybe the reason why i didn't want to air it but I, I i know my boundaries with it now she um my mom has always been obsessed with her weight and always looked great to me but always told herself and and told me i'm i'm a fat ugly piece of like i'm disgusting oh i'm fat like To this day, she will never admit she's pretty. My mom's gorgeous, thin, but you never know it. I I never, so I never got that. I never learned to appreciate and tell yourself you're pretty or to, I mean, she would always tell me I'm pretty. My dad showered me with compliments, but I never believed them because I would look at my mom say that she's fat and she was skinnier than me. I remember being like, mom, you're a size six and I'm a size 11. How, How can you say that you're fat and tell me that I'm not and Mm -hmm. and so i never believed her and so i i definitely learned that kind of body image from my mother for sure and to this day she did i went back home recently and she's like i'm disgusting and you can't compliment her it's just Mm. it's so frustrating it's just
1: and you can't you can't you can't get that person to see they're the only ones that kind of can walk through that door you can't you can't push them through that door i know but you can love them along the way you can tell them you love them I know. And you're rooting for them. And sometimes I, I think you can um, say, I can't be around you. Um, I'm not saying that's what you should do, but um, I've had to do that with friends that that won't get themselves help, that know that there's a problem, but don't want to take the responsibility for it. Sometimes I think the most loving thing you can do is say, hey, it's just, it's getting painful to be around you. I love you, but I just need a, I, I need a oh, break. God. Yeah. And sometimes that feels really good to do that.
0: Mm-hmm. I uh, I have done that before. I don't know that I could do it in this circumstance, but yes, yeah. I think that that's, I mean, there, but there are times when I'm like, Mom, I need a break. Yeah. yeah certainly when I go oh, home, yeah. I, I do that in little uh, increments, but yeah. Um, yeah, it's, and like even now, see, like I will get such positive reinforcement if I go home and I'm a little bit thinner than I was last time. It's just, you know, and if I don't get it, I, freak out I'm like oh great I'm fat now because she didn't tell me I was thin I'm my the love I feel for my mom is very much wrapped up in weight Mm -hmm. and that's unfortunate to say and because i know that she loves me unconditionally
1: it's good that you can see that though that's that's the beginning
0: for me it is i i know she would love she loves me no matter what but i know she loves me more when i'm thin
1: (laughs) (laughs) i want you to put that on your gravestone (laughs) that's so fantastic
0: i have a joke about it that i did in front of her this weekend and i've done it before but i um i say i was just home for the holidays and I don't know about you, but whenever I go home, my mom's always like, "Come hungry," you know, because she likes to see me thin. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and it really—that joke to me is just so like you're sticking it to her because I know she does like to see me thin.
1: Yeah. And
0: um, and it just sucks because it almost killed me, and it yeah. makes me so mad that they still, my parents still can't talk about it, and or, or or that she can't. Just don't talk to me about your diet, Mom. Yeah. I don't want to hear... It almost... That that it, diet almost killed me. Yeah. Literally Like, it sounds I don't like, think they know how close I was. They knew at the time, but not now.
1: It sounds like a, a premium is placed in your household on what other people think. Oh, God. That's all she cares about.
0: And I just... And that's why I love stand-up so much and the things I say on stage, because I don't. I, I mean, as much as I probably do, I, I feel like I... I'm releasing that in some way by talking about things that make people uncomfortable and like yeah. I love that my parents are horrified by things I say on stage yeah. because I'm challenging what I've been taught from the get-go which is like make sure the joneses think that we're perfect mm-hmm. and I don't give a sh- I, I yeah. love I love not being perfect mm-hmm. now and um showing my parents that I'm okay with other people not Thinking that because that is that is so important in my house.
1: Yeah, it's it's such a and I and I totally get that, too It's to me a it's a socially acceptable form of confrontation Uh, I didn't occur to me until I'd been doing stand-up about five years that wow These things I say that push people's buttons that piss them off. I can't do these in real life I'm totally afraid of confrontation, but I can be this person with the microphone, that is everything I want to be.
0: Yep. I, I'm such a pussy in real But when you get on stage, yeah, I feel this. Uh, man, they came to my show last weekend, my parents, and I was really going to try to, like, clean it up and not be so. I mean, I'm, you were I'm back, really exploring. You were back in St. Louis? I was in Indianapolis, and okay. they drove over to see me. And I will never, I don't really don't want them ever coming to a show again, unless it's like a TV set or something, yeah. because I really like to like give of myself on stage and talk about things that real shit. And I, if anything, I did it more. I, I mean, the, the voice in my head saying, hold back was just silenced. And I went for, it. and I've, I think I made them uncomfortable and I'm. i hoping it's not vindictive of me, but I'm pretty sure it was. Like, like, oh, you th- you're uncomfortable with that? Well, then get a mm-hmm. little bit like. <laughs> I I like pushing their buttons, and I feel I feel kind of remorseful about it now. How I might have made them feel at the time,
1: but do you, whatever. Do you think part of why we like doing it on stage is because nobody can butt in?
0: Nobody can butt in, and no one. If someone gets mad at you about it, no one can get mad at you about it because you're, perform- you're doing your. If it
1: gets a laugh, it's valid. Yes,
0: exactly. Exactly. Like, I-, I like pissing people off when they have really no reason to really be mad at me, when they're yeah. mad about the idea of it. But, like, I can defend myself. Hey, I'm on stage. You came to my show. Right. So don't come if you don't. If right. It pisses you off. So you're completely protected. Yeah. And that's what I like about it.
1: Yeah, it's like you sold tickets to the best argument in your life.
0: Yes, it really is. Come
1: sit down and let me tell you what I think about you.
0: And you have no right to tell me if anything I said upset you because you stepped into my world and that's what you risk going in is that I might upset you. Yeah, Yeah. you're completely protected because I don't like confrontation. I don't like to upset people, but Mm -hmm. if... Yeah.
1: So, what's some some of the stuff you you were saying that uh, some stuff got brought up when you were you were doing the the podcast with uh, with Greg and Dave um, that, that you thought might be good to, to talk about here?
0: I have a string of all my relationships. I didn't date anyone until I was twenty four because I had never had a boyfriend or really been like I had a, a kiss once when I was seventeen, and then I
1: was this by your own choice or you were just shy or guys just didn't ask you out.
0: It was. It was a mixture of both I would say because I was so thin and so skeletal that no one was interested in dating me for probably I mean I was I looked bad for 3 years so from 18 to 22 I was not really that probably 18 to 21, not that attractive. And then um,
1: the irony is that you waited until uh, the, the diary van Frank was over to lose the weight. I know.
0: I know. I would have, I would have gotten that part. Oh, you no, almost said a I would have died. I, I did. I almost did. Um. No, I know. But yeah, so I, I was so, I was so bad looking that no one wanted to date me. I was definitely interested in boys and kind of like living with my disease. So I didn't, mm-hmm. It was just my le- I I thought I was like I could date right now and no one was wanting to.
1: And you had gone to therapy. Did you go to any support groups?
0: I had been to a couple support groups, but for me, they became competitive with the other girls in the in the room. Oh like, my god! Which is a problem with a lot of eating disorder really? group therapy. Is that you're you're constantly comparing? Yeah. Like, well, I didn't eat since, you know, it becomes a, it's not, it's better to have one-on-one for me at least. I'm sure it has helped some people, but, um, yeah, I went to therapy from the get-go from 18 to to probably 21. And then I kind of, I kind of had a breakthrough with one guy who, uh, yeah, kind of let me know, like, this isn't your fault. And as soon as I was able to like talk to my disease, like I remember he took a chair and was like. Here's your disease. Yell at it. And as that was like a moment for me where I was like, I don't have to listen to you anymore. Like I, you're a voice in my brain that is not me. That mm-hmm. voice telling me not to eat is not me. So you just got to ignore it and yep. know that it's wrong and that you're being. I just really thought of it like I had to exercise a demon. Mm-hmm. That's mm-hmm. how I dealt with it. And that's really how I got over it and was able to start yeah. eating again. And
1: one of the biggest lies is you tell yourself, if I just give into it right now, that'll shut it up and it feeds it right it feeds it
0: yeah feeds it um, yeah.
1: when in reality the, the, the way to it. deal with it is to get to the bottom of why that voice is saying what it's saying what it, what are the core messages you know which usually to me boils down to i don't have enough i don't do enough i'm not enough i don't matter you know that's those those are the four that i deal with on a on a constant basis so um getting back me to what you were you, you were saying about what's going on in your life there's yeah. a pattern
0: there's a pattern so i i forgot my first boyfriend at 24 i was well, into recovery, like I, it was a non issue for me anymore, really. And, um, and he was a, an alcoholic, abusive, verbally abusive, emotionally abusive alcoholic. It was a long distance relationship. It was, um, I finally got out of it, you know, two years later. And, um, and then since then, I've just only dated either men with girlfriends or men who, live very far away so Mm. it's i'm in a pattern of not uh, i obviously have a problem with intimacy and uh commitment and i and yeah so i don't know what to do with that really because i can't help what i'm i feel like i can't help who i'm attracted to and i try to go for the opposite of what I've like, I tried to date a guy that was really nice because I was seeming to just only be dating jerks, and then he ended up being a jerk. I know, at the end, and it was you just
1: you told like, me, or I heard on the podcast. Yeah, yeah, so
0: it's just it feels I'm very and I just I'm um, I quit drinking in December,
1: that's awesome, and
0: yeah, and I'm I love it, it's my new life, I really feel committed to it, and um, and for the first time. I am completely single. There's no one on my radar. I f- and I feel great about it. Like I really feel like I need to take this time to like reevaluate everything because I'm just I'm going through a lot right now in terms of not drinking and dealing with that. Yeah, I would bet all
1: those feelings that we stuffed down are, are coming up. What are what are some of the thoughts and feelings that are that are popping up as you as you go through this?
0: Man, I would know because I hit them back down with pot and. Binging on okay. food, okay, so I'm not even dealing with them yet. Okay, whatever they are So and you're just you're problem. just taking
1: one of the blunt tools away But there's still a couple of other yes. other blunt tools. You're beating it back down with
0: and and these tools don't give me hangovers so there's a Better they're better for me in that way, but I I mean I had no idea I just thought my drinking was a problem because it was giving me hangovers and you know making me work not as efficiently and now I'm realizing oh my god like all the stuff I'm doing compulsively now that I'm not drinking it's so obvious that I'm pushing something down and I don't know what I don't know what it is I don't know what why I need to get fucked up and why I need to not be in my head Mm -hmm. I don't know what it is and that's what I feel like leaving the walking the room podcast they're like you need to go get therapy and I was like I, I, I know that I do I know that there's something lurking but all my um, this is a really weird time for me right now because it's been two two and a half months sober and um, all like I have some eating things that are coming back up that I've I haven't dealt with that drinking has just dealt has mm-hmm. taken this place of because I wasn't drinking when I was anorexic because of all the calories but as soon as I started eating again I would start drinking and that just totally took the like I'm just substituting here yeah. and there and I just. I need. I feel like I'm doing the lesser of two evils by right now, but I'm still.
1: Yeah, I'm sure you've heard. still evil things. I'm going sure you've on heard in the, life. the the phrase "switching deck chairs on the Titanic." Oh my god! <laughs> no, I have not. Yeah, but yes, that's, that's exactly that's, what I'm doing. That's what one of the things uh, uh, we call it. And, and and I totally I totally get it, man. Uh, that you know, last night uh, it was about one in the morning, and uh, I just kind of had this. I don't know just this vague empty blah restless feeling and i was like oh i forgot we got peanut brittle and so i just went and i'm like you know of course the first thought in my brain is it's almost two in the morning what are you what are you doing eating peanut brittle which then made me feel more guilty which made me want to eat more peanut brittle and uh and I, and, and there's that, that really sick moment when you're reaching into the food and you say, I'm going to take this big of a piece. And then your fingers expand and you're like, no, I'm going to take this. And it's just like this argument with your body and your fingers. And, uh, it fucking tasted so good. It yeah. tasted so good. And it, it did the trick, you know, it did the trick for, for that hour. It's like, I, I get it. And, it, and I have these moments where I totally feel like I identify with what, people have that go through through food food issues you know
0: i think that more i I, you were hard pressed to find anyone who doesn't deal have some kind of control issues with food and i think we all relate to it on some level um in this day and age but yeah that that whole man the the thing for me now is like i i will not um i can't i will never go back to the way i was of just not eating that just isn't a part i can't do it <laughs> even if i wanted to i couldn't and i don't want to obviously but the i feel very out of control with my eating The the whole hand thing you're talking about making your hand just a little bit bigger or just even when i'm like i'm only gonna have this piece i know i'm lying to myself mm-hmm. i even say you're lying to your i say that in my head like you know you're telling yeah that is that's a nice thought you're having but yeah. you're going to finish this yeah. entire package
1: you're going to do it in five trips so it doesn't look as bad
0: exactly you know and i'll do that i I mean i cannot this is embarrassing for me to admit but fuck it i mean i i can't have food in my house it will be eaten i cannot that so that to me i i have it's all
1: so let's talk about why then you knowing all this stuff why the hesitation to to go back to get help to get help um,
0: I don't know findings. I don't. Th- do I don't it's have. Gonna a be,
1: do you think excuse? it's going to be inconvenient, uncomfortable, sure. painful? Yes, you're going to have to maybe. Uh, like,
0: there's no, there's no fixing this. There's that kind of thought going through. Like,
1: but there's a managing it.
0: There's a. I know there is. I'm definitely. I'm getting. I'm going to get help. That's the next step because not drinking has really shed a lot of light on that. I mean, I'm. I've definitely come to tr- like i have a problem i have problems yeah. that i need help with like the just i don't i want to have kids someday and i want a husband someday i want all that stuff but i cannot have it with the way that i have the secret uh relationship with food that i don't i i can't yeah. see myself and no one else is fitting in that right now like it's just me and food and like it's i have to break up with food and i don't know-how because you have to keep food in your life. Yeah.
1: Well, That's how, the hardest thing. How about how about you the idea, quit. though, that you don't have to break up with food, but you have to make friends with with food, um, oh my God. you know, so that it's a neutral thing, and it's not it's not shit, and it's not a cake. You know, know. it's somewhere in between. Because, you know, the addict mentality, and I'm the same way, is I don't do five. I do zero or ten, and mm-hmm. that makes life fucking unmanageable. Mm-hmm. It makes life exciting, Yes. You know, sometimes I think the excitement of it where I was just talking to a friend this morning and he, you know, he was saying, how's it going? And I said, it's going, it's going great. But there is this weird silence, this weird lack of drama that activates this thing in my brain that tells me you obviously aren't paying attention because you should be worrying about shit. Yes. And that is my addict. That is my addict. And I'm beginning to see it more and more now. And I think it's that that is what makes us do the zero where 10 it's like we we you know we get a little calm we get a, and, then, and then it's like oh my god I'm not paying attention because I'm not worried because there isn't that excitement that I'm used to yeah. from the rest of my life it's a weird eerie silence but that that silence I think is who we are naturally that's the that's the, that's the place to get to and live in without guilt or fear and I've had glimpses of it and it's fucking beautiful it's beautiful, and it is there. It is absolutely there for us.
0: That is, the, I know exactly what you're talking about, and that is what I go. I go. I need to get high. I need to smoke some weed. Yeah. I need to find weed right now because I'm feeling something that it feels bored. It's not a boredom, but you're right. There's like it's this restless.
1: This it's something's vacancy. missing. There's a vacancy. Something's yes. missing.
0: That I'm just. I gotta. I gotta do something.
1: This what? isn't right. Right. It's not right.
0: It's restless. Something's yeah. wrong. Mm-hmm.
1: I know it'll make it right. Yeah, oh my god. It's I've had that that conversation in my head oh my god 500,000 times. 5 maybe not that articulately, more of a just a uh, this sucks. I got to do something. I got to do something. Yeah or blame somebody else for how I'm feeling. Oh God. Yes. You know, if my manager only had done this, then I would have gotten that. And then I'd be happy. That's the worst.
0: Well, I'm more, I'm more blame myself, which becomes another person that I can put like, it becomes like this characterization of myself that I can put all the blame on and hate that person. Right. I do. I mean, yeah, Greg was saying, Nikki Glaser doesn't like Nikki Glaser. And I'm like, On paper, I think I'm fucking great. I'll sell that. Like, I think I'm funny and my career's going where I want it to. But yeah, I'm, I clearly, I'm not comfortable being alone with myself. I clearly don't like something about myself. I don't know what it is yet, though. But I'm gonna, I wanna, I wanna figure it out. I'm really, I'm, I wanna. Get my shit together. I'm I'm taking the steps to do so, and I think therapy is the next step because I can't – this eating shit coming back up, I'm like n- – it's been there the whole time, yeah. but drinking just took the place of it, and now mm-hmm. it's like, oh, God, there you are again. Ten years later, you're still feeling just as out of control with it mm-hmm. and having the worst relationship with food ever and feeling like it's your boyfriend. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, God, it really do- like I I would rather go home with food I want to eat and spend the night in bed eating and then feeling sorry about what just happened. I'd rather do that than hang out with someone I like. It's it's really sad. And then, but then sometimes, but then I'll get a boyfriend, get real interested in someone. And then again, I get this like, oh, I lost my appetite. And like, I go back to normal eating because I'm on like a schedule eating with them. And then I'm like, but that's all I'm putting. I'm totally codependent on them. And then Mm -hmm. as soon as they're gone, it comes back. So it's, I don't know where the balance is.
1: Yeah. It's that, that zero or 10 thing, man. It's like, it's my enemy or it's my God. Yeah. Yeah. How do I how do I just make it my friend?
0: I'm so envious of people who can just eat when they're hungry and don't eat when they're not. I mean, it just doesn't seem like something I will ever be able to do. Yeah. But I, I will not have kids if that doesn't go I do not want to have
1: Bring them into that drama. I Good know for you.
0: I just cannot I don't I don't want a little girl I I don't want to make a me. <laughs> like I don't I mean I turned out great, I think, but I don't want, yeah, I just know that those habits are so easily picked up on.
1: Is, is, it, uh, is it fair to say that you don't want to instill the anxiety that you think maybe your mom instilled in you? Not instilled, but you absorbed?
0: Yeah, because my sister didn't get any of it. Yeah. She's a totally has healthy relationship with food. But, um, uh, yeah, so I don't think it's, yeah, I just don't, I got, there's so much I got to get together before i even think about having k- kids do you believe that, that and... it's, did you
1: believe that it's doable that there is there is uh
0: i don't know paul
1: would you would you believe that there that there is that it that there's nothing i believe in more deeply and if there's anything i want people to understand from this from this podcast is there if we keep working towards the solution Our lives absolutely, absolutely get better. I've never met anybody who has worked, who has put effort into getting better, um, no matter what their issue is. Um, that has not had their life improved by it, yeah, it doesn't take pain or you know any of that other stuff away, but it allows them to deal with it in a way that 's manageable that that their life becomes um easier and you know I heard somebody say one time um, this person had been in a support group for years, and uh, this person said, you know if this has one of the most valuable things this has given me is to be comfortable with unresolved problems." And that struck me like a bolt of lightning because I used to be so anal about problems in my life. Mm. And I thought that the goal in life was to not have problems, to have this kind of clean kitchen. And that's, that's a sick fantasy. Yeah. It's a sick fantasy and it's unattainable.
0: And even, but you would be bored without your problems too. Absolutely. You would you'd feel that restlessness. I would find and you'd something to else. go find, make one. Go
1: shopping or find an enemy, you mm-hmm. know, to obsess on or, mm-hmm. um, but learning to be comfortable with, uh, and I and I think what's really closely related to um, uh, that is being comfortable with our own imperfections, being comfortable uh, knowing that, well, oh, I can be a little bit this way, and I can be a little bit that way, and oh, here's how I react when I do that, and I'm not a bad person. I'm just fucking human.
0: Yeah. Telling myself, feeling like I'm a bad person is often, Yeah. Being able to say, yeah, I'm flawed, and that's fine. Yeah. And I'm not a bad person because
1: that's the worst is when you feel like you're. And it's not a new thought. I mean, everybody knows that intellectually. But how do you get to that place? And I have to tell you, it's one of the hardest things to truly believe that you are okay. You have enough. You do enough. And you're lovable. And you matter. Um, And to feel that and believe it is a super uh, super hard thing to maintain, but it's, it's absolutely, it's absolutely doable. It took me fucking eight years of intense, uh, work to get there, but it's, and I slide back and forth, you know, I dip back into it, Yeah, you know, peanut, uh, brittle. peanut brittle, that's, that's so funny. Cause that just, just came into my mind, Sure. but let's get back to, uh, talking about what's going on with you. Do you feel like doing a fear off? Sure. Okay. Um, I'm going to be doing fears from a, a listener who uh, didn't put their name. Um, I'll, I'll start off with uh, with hers. Um, I fear my overuse of LSD and ecstasy as a teenager in some way changed my chemistry and caused my son's autism.
0: I fear that I I say too much. Okay. I share too much on okay. these podcasts.
1: Um, she says, I fear that my next skin cancer will be the serious kind.
0: Mm.
1: Oh, she's going right to the fucking, uh, no easing into it with her. Autism and cancer right out of the gate.
0: Jesus. I fear I'm going to die in a freakish way, and then someone's going to have to clean out my apartment and realize who I really am. (laughs)
1: Oh, there's no way I'm, I'm I'm continuing without getting into that one. What what are they going to find in uh, uh, in the apartment?
0: You know, no, man. And
1: and I have the same fear, by the way.
0: Sure, I think we all do. I think anyone can relate to that, but um I just I fear like the I, I'm messy, I will say. Um I that I can't even go into what I fear people will find because it's so embarrassing. Come on. I mean, I, I fear people will see, Oh my God. I fear people will know the truth about my eating issues from, uh, what they find in my life. I mean, I don't think they would actually, now that I'm saying this, I think I cover it up pretty well, but like, I fear that someone will find out what I really do when I'm alone and it'll, Freaks some people out i mean it's i mean every addiction has its ugly sides absolutely and without getting into it i mean i definitely there's things i do that i'm not or ha- have done that i'm not proud of and I'm, I'm 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 scared that that yeah that i i will gladly talk about them when they are not a part of my life I, down okay. the road someday, they are going okay. to be in my act. Okay. That's how I live. Ever, anything that's ever embarrassing that's about me, I know it's going to, there's a space for it in the act someday that's or in awesome. the book. Right now, I'm in it, so I yeah. don't have as much perspective and I'm not able to really articulate what I mean by that. But it's not anything, t- I mean, it's, yeah, I'll leave it at that.
1: It's not a, a nine foot dildo uh, <laughs> I wish. in a rotating picture of yourself. <laughs> <laughs> <Ooh>. <laughs> um let's see uh and that's a great one by the way that that Thanks. that's such a uh I, I totally relate to that one um i used to look at uh pornography that made me feel bad about myself yeah um and uh it's been you know 10 years since i looked at uh, anything like that and but i used to uh be afraid that people were going to find out that yeah. you know i looked at that kind of stuff and um um so I I totally get it. Um f- uh, what is she, I'm afraid that uh I will never go back to college.
0: Mm. I'm afraid I'll be fat. Uh
1: I'm afraid I will not resolve the conflicted feelings that I have for my mother who is so clingy that I want to distance myself from her and she will die and I will feel a mountain of guilt for not fully accepting her love. That mm. that holy shit, um, do I relate to that one?
0: God damn it. Yeah, I, f- I fear, um, well, I know. <laughs> I don't fear it. I know my uh, my mom will never acknowledge her, her problems. Yeah. And I also fear that she will never. There's maybe some hope, but okay. I don't think so.
1: I fear my husband or I will accidentally slip uh, into alcoholism.
0: I fear that my mom will hear this podcast.
1: Uh, I fear my husband will get tired of my self-loathing getting in the way of believing the sincerity of his feelings for me. Mm. That's a that's a good one too, because that man it's hard to let people love you when when you're not sure about what they're loving. Yeah, and let me you know if I can say anything, people can see deeper into us, passing us on the sidewalk in ten seconds, I think, than some of us can see in a lifetime, and. If we don't work on ourselves, we we miss getting to see ourselves objectively and see the truth for who we are. Not in a way to beat ourselves up, but in in a way to accept accept ourselves. And when we do get that glimpse, it's fucking beautiful and peaceful. Yeah. Am I talking too much? I fear I'm talking too much. you know what?
0: This is. I fear that I'm not listening well enough because I'm so in my head about what I'm fearing.
1: It's okay. (laughs)
0: So you're talking and I'm hearing you, but I'm not processing it. No,
1: I know because it's hard to think of fears while while someone else is no, I'm is, not is even, talking.
0: Yeah, I'm sorry. Are
1: you in? Are you into fear about um, what you're saying on the podcast and the effect it's going to have? Yeah. Okay.
0: Yeah, but I'm not. I'm I'm sticking to this one. This is one's going live. I I mean I I walked into this knowing what I was going to say, and um, I just I know. Uh, yeah my my mom won't hear it, and I and I love my mom, and I she's so i i vilify her on these things i feel like but she's she's great and i i feel like i'm um it was it was really hard for me to tell my parents that i quit drinking because they're really disappointed because they're drinkers yeah and it made you know they're supportive now but when i first told them they were like why would you do this like you don't have a problem. And then I think that it felt like it reflected on them. And my mom said to me, she was like, well, do you still smoke pot? And I was like, yeah. And she was like, good. And I was just <laughs> like, oh, why did that exchange just happen? It was really like, I mean, I talked about it on my podcast and laughed about it, but it that really is a, is hurt. Yeah. That like,
1: it's almost like your mom saying, you're not getting to the truth. Are you? yeah no i'm not oh good
0: yeah it's exactly that i i went into therapy with her once and um in the early stages when i was like right at the beginning of before we had even diagnosed as anorexia i think I, we were all just calling it a diet still and um the woman pretty much told my mom like your daughter's anorexic and i was like hearing it for the first time and i was like no i'm not but she was like she has all the symptoms like it's definitely that and my mom denied it and then uh i kind of like talked about my mom's drinking as maybe something that concerned me and the woman and the woman my mom was like i don't have a drinking problem and i was like well i think maybe you do a little bit and sh- and the we kind of went back and forth about it and then Of course, my mom's getting really defensive, and the woman said, well, how can you expect Nikki to start eating if you don't stop drinking? And my mom said, I will never stop drinking. So that's off the table. And I just remember her, like, if even if that was, maybe that's not the reason that I would start. But if that was an option for me to to live would be for you to stop drinking, and you just put that on the table, that I will never stop drinking, and that's it, close conversation. That, like, was like a punch in the face to me. Yeah. And maybe, and then we left that place, and she was like, "We're never coming back there." And we never talked about it again. But that that session was just like, like that's. I felt like, oh God, that's more important. My getting fucked up at, once a week is more important to my mom than me mm-hmm. being healthy.
1: Well, I would have, I would imagine if she cares so deeply, uh, as most people do, what other people think about them. Um, how could? alcohol not be your friend how could it not be your best friend what do you mean by that um the tension of being in a room full of people and caring deeply that uh about what other people think of you and afraid that they're talking about you who wouldn't need the relief of alcohol in that situation who wouldn't who wouldn't need that lubrication yeah you know otherwise it, it it you're you're stuck in that so i i get that um what i don't get is knowing that and not wanting to do something to thinking that's the solution
0: problem too, but it's
1: fear. It's just fear. And I tell you, somebody said one time, fear is a mile wide, a mile high and paper thin. And I have come to find out that it is exactly true. The things that I thought, you know, making apologies to people who I had hurt, uh, you know, I, I just thought, Oh, this is going to be the fucking worst. This is going to be, and it Some of the most beautiful moments I've ever had. You know, I'm so, I was so afraid of being vulnerable for so much of my life. And it's, this sounds corny, but it's through that door is the fucking greatest room you will ever, you will ever find. Everything, all the feelings you wanted in life that you were trying with blunt tools to get. um, For me, came by walking through that door of willing to be vulnerable, willing to to really look at who who I am and what I've done and to love myself despite despite those things. And to talk to another person and to say I'm sorry and to and to just sometimes when I'm afraid, just to be just to be afraid and say, I'm feeling afraid right now uh, or I'm feeling angry and not try to stuff that feeling down but just let that feeling pass through me. Um it's it's hard but it you can relearn you can relearn yeah. and rewire that part of ourselves and quiet that voice down that voice can absolutely absolutely be quieted um i think you're in that that place where your willingness is growing each day to get into the solution and get out of
0: yeah i want the out. discomfort i'm i'm reaching my my bottom like yeah. with a, a really i feel I feel like I'm done living like I have been, it's been 10 years now yeah. of with this eating shit and I'm, I'm really wanting to move on. And, um, and yeah, I think the, f- uh, I saw my parents this past weekend and they, I felt like I was on, a, they, they even said, they're like, you're a different person. Like there's something going on with you and I couldn't pinpoint it either, but I really do feel like um I'm on the brink of something. Yeah. I feel, I feel positive about it and I'm, I'm definitely going to get yeah to therapy because this feels great, yeah, talking about it, and good. it good. feels
1: awesome it feels so good to me, it really does it does, really, it it's, does. It's, it's, it's no you know
0: denying what, it i for, I always forget how great it is i it,
1: it is and and that's part of the the addict in our brain is it is it tells us it's not going to be good, yeah, it tells us it, and this is all this is the feeling that I've always wanted my whole life is this feeling of being connected to somebody and feeling um trusted and respected and um uh i don't know if loved is too too strong of a word but yeah i think that i think that is even though you and i don't know each other i think what we're exchanging is is love i mm-hmm. mean that's what love is based on yeah. is, is vulnerability and intimacy and absolutely and all that other stuff and to have that with somebody that you don't know that well that's one of the most awesome things in life to me because it tells me there's love everywhere out there. There's a lot of places where there's hate and fucking awful shit, but we underestimate how much love is there for the taking. Yeah. If we're willing to get into that energy where where it can flow back and forth. But yeah. it's, it's hard. To, it's hard sometimes. It's unfamiliar to get to that place.
0: It really is. And I struggle with it in my closest relationships, talking about this kind of I mean, stuff we're talking about yeah. now. I haven't gotten into it with any of my exes really yeah and um it feels good to talk about it's it's yeah it feels it feels right and i don't feel wrong about it i don't yeah. feel a sense of
1: um, I, feel, I always feel lighter you know i feel i just feel like um you know how there's always like a clock ticking in your head like gotta get there or gotta get this it just the clock stops ticking time kind of stands still yeah and there's no past or there's no future. There's just right now. And uh, people that meditate always talk about that. Do about you meditate? That. I do, I do, and that really, really, really helps. I,
0: I wanna get into it. I've yeah. been researching it a little bit. But yeah. That seems to be like something I could get into. Oh
1: yeah, and it introduces you to your thoughts. Um, yeah. You begin to see what's really going on with you. And and um, yeah, highly, okay. highly recommend that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some of our best creativity comes from, from uh, meditation. Uh, This episode is sponsored by When Breath Becomes Air. When Breath Becomes Air by Paul Kalanithi is the exquisitely observed memoir of an idealistic young neurosurgeon attempting to answer the question, what makes a life worth living as he deals with his own terminal cancer diagnosis? It's a stunning reminder to live while we are alive All right, back to the back to the fear off. Um, I I will always carry the taint of what I now look back on as a white trash upbringing, and that others can smell it from a mile away. Oof! I like this woman, whoever she is.
0: I do too. I'm I'm feeling you on that one. Um, I fear I'll I'll never find uh, a companion. Uh,
1: I fear my vagina will change in horrible ways as I grow old. That's awesome.
0: God, ditto. Yeah. I fear I won't make
1: it. Look at how much success you have. (laughs) Yeah. You found your your voice on stage.
0: I fear that I'll never feel like I made it.
1: Yes. That's a good one. That is a good one. Um, We will end up poor despite all our hard work and sacrifice.
0: I'm not feeling this now, but I often fear I'll never be hungry again. So I have to eat like I'm Like it's you you eat like I could just stop and then be like, Oh, you're gonna feel like this how great it is to take that first bite when you're hungry. That that'll come back. Yeah. But I was there for some reason I can never picture it. I feel like, oh, I'll never get that back. So wow. just eat all you can now.
1: It's just amazing how each each disease has its own uh favorite uh sound bites yeah. in our in our head. Um she says, "I am afraid um, some tragedy will befall one of my children. Not specific at all, but there are so many.
0: Mm. I fear I'll uh, I fear I'll be raped.
1: Um, I fear," she says, "I fear my husband secretly thinks of me as a fool or a child.
0: I fear my parents will die."
1: I fear I will never get a firm grip on my body image, and despite the numbers on a scale or the size of my clothes, I will always see myself as grossly overweight. I fear oh, I
0: smell bad. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> I fear someday my kids will feel about me the way I feel about my mother. Oh, God. If you can come up with one more, you will have defeated her. Oh, and she uh, I, here's the name. She wants to be called Cherry Soda. Oh, cherry soda. I like that. I, I
0: fear I'll never enjoy a cherry soda.
1: You got to w- come up with a better one than that. No, that's a Seriously? Oh, because I'll you don't drink feet. soda?
0: I don't... I can't enjoy... This is the thing. i um getting a little bit into what I was talking about before. I When I binge, I binge on extremely healthy food. Like, I do not touch... Really? I do not touch peanut brittle, pizza. Br- I mean, I don't eat bad free food. I haven't had fried food ever like in 10 years um and so when i go all out i'll just eat a ton like i love healthy food it's like my favorite food so i'll just eat it like if you looked at what i ate you'd be like oh that's not bad and that's why i'm able to stay thin and eat Mm. so fucking much Mm. because i eat really healthy food i can't enjoy i can't enjoy cake i do eat cake when like there's a birthday or something like i'll let myself have it but i'm not enjoying it as it's going down i will i don't enjoy the the I'm beating myself up in my head as I'm taking a bite.
1: Have you ever pulled uh cake out of a, a trash can? Cake that was thrown away and eaten in?
0: I've, yeah. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I've I've eaten things out of the trash and had to spray kitchen cleaner on them just so I wouldn't eat it.
1: Yeah. yeah. Destroy if,
0: it. Or, you know, take a bag of chips and baked lays, of course, and t- just take the biggest handful you can find and throw it out the window of a car when I'm always eating on the road when I get snacks really? on the road dispose of half of it because I'm going to eat it all right. it will all get there's no way it won't right. so just get it out of there right away yeah. Um, oh yeah totally just like when you say you oof. eat
1: a lot Of by the way you have defeated uh, our, our, our listeners. she had so some really good she ones she was though. good oh, Jesus. but look at you uh, Miles Davising it and, uh, and crushing her oh thanks um,
0: sorry I didn't come with my list that's okay
1: um. uh, When you say uh, you were talking about eating incredible amounts of healthy food, mm-hmm. give me an example of a, a day when you kind of go off the deep end with food. What would you eat, and how much of it? Mm. If, if okay, if you yeah, fe- let me
0: it, let me just think about if I want to go here because it really.
1: I don't want to shame you. No, I don't no, want to no. shame you.
0: I I know you don't, and that's why I'm I'm trying not to shame myself in saying this. It would be. I mean. I'll just talk. Cal- let's just talk calories. Okay. I will consume. I can consume, you know, two thousand calories in, in a sitting of very healthy food, which is not easy to do. I yeah. mean, two thousand calories of not healthy food
1: is that's, easy. You
0: know, yeah, that's like a pizza or whatever. Yeah. Um, but I can do it with not with
1: healthy food. So large volumes of food. Do, yes. So do you do you do you get off on? Volumes, yes, of food.
0: I would. That's my whole thing. Is like I want to eat as much as possible without taking in as many calories. I like. I will always. I want more. I. I don't like uh, concentrated calories. Right, I get that to spread it out because then I get to do it longer. Exactly,
1: it's why I was a beer drinker. I tried to switching to to hard alcohol once, and it was a fucking nightmare. because I, I the the standing around and being. Uncomfortable in my skin. Yeah, drinking's the act of bringing something to my mouth brought me relief, and
0: that's why I drank. I drank when I drank. Yeah, I would dilute it—vodka sodas—but it would be like tiny little bit of vodka and tons of soda. But I would get way more wasted than anyone. I would just be chugging them. I mean, I remember from an early age, very early, my dad being like, my first judgment I ever felt like, oh, I'm a bad person. Is like my dad being like. You slow down. You chug everything. Like I was, I've just always been, a like a I inhale food. I inhale. I so, like I eat God, I so, so fast so and so that. much. I mean, I freak people out. Like, yeah. it's really a, a thing for me that I've I've become a lot more. Like, you know what? Fuck it. Yeah, I'm gonna eat this salad really fast, and it's I'm gonna eat a lot of food in a short amount of time. It's gonna freak everyone out. I become more. Kind of unapologetic about it, just because I have to. Yeah, because you're, I have an addiction, so get used to it, America. (laughs) Um, And so, do you ever
1: ever chipmunk it?
0: What does that mean?
1: Where you uh, just you you can't swallow it fast enough, so it backs up in your cheeks. Oh, I no. do that all the time really? almost every day when i when <laughs> i eat i because when i get hungry i have no patience and i want that oh so I'm, i just start chewing and chewing and chewing but i can't i, I the taste okay, is so yes. good but and and i get mocked sometimes people will make like this i got mocked by a stranger one time wow. i was eating at uh at a at a restaurant and i was by the plat plate glass window just staring out and i was just chowing down on this hot dog and this woman went past and just stopped right in front of me and just made this big fat face and mocked me and i was like oh my god oh i have god. no idea what i must look like
0: oh that that that's the worst when strangers feel like they can chime in i mean i, I it happens to me all the time because i do eat ginormous salads and a very, like salads are my thing because that's like the the biggest thing you can get with the mm-hmm. least amount of Calories or whatever, and um, yeah, I remember in, in college, girls at a uh, girls at this frat party were whispering and being like, "That's the salad girl." because like, I would go to the salad bar and just load up a pile, and just devour it, and um, and I just remember being so humiliated. But yeah, that that uh, yeah, chewing a bite, but already getting ready to put the next yes. bite in your mouth. I mean, yes. it's my life, and I've I struggle. I've never been. I've dabbled in bulimia. I'm not gonna. St- sit here and lie. Mm. I've definitely have and I've denied it in the past to therapists and everything and said cuz that was never my go-to method and I I've, I've dabbled and there here and there it it I'm not going to I like it does come back it comes back up. <laughs> um <laughs> <laughs> um but there are t- you know there're times when that's happened but it's never been my go-to thing and yeah. it's but, but sometimes it's not that even I'll make myself... It just happens because you eat too much. Like, it's such a... It's really something I'm struggling with. And I know I'm... The thing is, I know I'm not alone. I know so many yeah. people. It's just not talked about that much because it's so disgusting. Yeah. Food, the, the shame that's involved. I mean, the shame with every addiction, but I've just, i am just... I know I'm not alone on it. And I know I'm not disgusting and a bad person and all that stuff. But it's hard sometimes to... To really feel that way yeah yeah so it's but it's good to talk about and I hope that um, I hope that you some of your listeners relate
1: and I know are, do they not will. feel so alone too. no I know they will and I think that's a, a great uh, a great note to end on unless there's something else that you you had that you wanted to uh, to talk about
0: I think that's I think I'm good we'll have to do a, another episode sometime 'Cause I know there's more, yeah. But yeah this has been really great.
1: Yeah. I, I really appreciate you uh you coming by and uh talking about stuff that I know uh can't be can't be easy, but um
0: Yeah. And it's it's there it's just weird to me that I really did think that I was done with it and it was in my past and it was something that and that's why I kind of started talking about my eating disorders because I was like, that's my past and all of a sudden it is now my present again. And I'm okay with talking about it still, even if I'm going through it. I think yeah. that sh- that should be okay to yeah. talk about things that you're. That's the way yeah. to,
1: to get past them. Absolutely. You know the the way I look at it and, and with addiction is it it will never go away, but you can get it down to where it's an ember. Yeah. You know. And so, what are you going to do to deny that thing oxygen? And that's then what life becomes. I need to fold those things into my life on a daily basis that deny that ember oxygen and when i do my life is awesome my life is awesome um and when i don't it's up in flames yeah. <laughs> and it's you know and it's, i'm on my way there yeah. I, I
0: mean i would not be able to talk about this stuff uh, as i'm saying and i'm like i can't i was not gonna admit that thing or you know i'm really glad i have though and i know that being able to say that i am currently struggling with these things is the f- first step and in and in, in, getting better so i feel like i'm i'm That's i feel weird. good about being on my way i really do feel positive That's, about well, all of this i
1: feel privileged to uh to be here to uh thank you paul to listen to it so oh. thanks nikki thank you many thanks to uh to nikki glazer uh, before we take it out with uh uh what i think is a fascinating uh survey uh from a listener this survey response was this is from the uh, the basic uh, mental illness happy hour survey and it was filled out by a guy who calls himself Dark Mockery. You know it's going to be good when you're out of the gate you're calling yourself Dark Mockery. Um he's straight. He's uh Oh, I'm sorry. This is this is not from the basic survey. This is from the Shame and Secrets uh, survey. Um he's in his 30s. He uh, was raised in a uh, st- st- stable and safe environment. Uh, He's never been sexually abused. Um, Deepest, darkest thoughts, he writes, I have thoughts of killing, raping, and mutilating people and being killed, raped, and mutilated. I also have thoughts of self-mutilation and suicide. Deepest, darkest secrets, things he's done or things that have happened to him, he writes uh, I've been picking up street prostitutes of any gender and age for about 15 years. The youngest was 16 and the oldest 62. I've paid from $5 to $300. I once paid a crossdresser to basically rape me. I've never been sexually abused or molested. I have no idea what drives me to do this and I really really want to stop. I have started seeing a psychologist. Uh, Do these secrets and thoughts generate any particular feelings towards yourself? He writes, I feel like no one could love me. I was married for 15 years, and she still doesn't know. I recently got married, and my new wife doesn't know. I'm torn between keeping this a secret and telling them. I don't want my marriage to end, and I know this will end it. So I walk around every day wondering if I'll get caught, wondering if I should tell my wife, wondering if I should just run away and live the rest of my life alone. And then, uh, do you have any comments or suggestions to make the show better? He writes, listening to your podcast prompted me to go see a psychologist. I'm now on medication, and I'm amazed at the difference in me. I no longer have the impulse to pick up a prostitute. My harmful thoughts have subsided. I, oh, I also love it that your guests are so real about your lives. Thank you so much for your show. Well, thank you for writing and saying that. And uh, if you haven't gathered it already... Those of you out there listening, there is hope. You're not stuck. You are not alone. Thanks for listening.